Today on Know Your Place Bradford, I'm talking to local councillor Richard Dunbar. Richard is the Labour councillor for the Thornton and Allerton ward of the city, but was born and bred in Buttershaw. We reminisce about going to the Buttershaw comp and talk about how a young lad from the estate became interested in politics and organising to change the world. We'll also talk about Bradford's radical history, how to embrace that in the present, Richard's hopes for the city and why Bradford's a place he never wants to leave. This episode is split into two parts. I recorded the second part with Richard a few weeks ago at City Hall before the coronavirus lockdown began. The first 10 minutes were recorded over the phone with Richard last week, which is why it sounds a bit echoey. I'd asked him to give us an update on the situation in Bradford under the coronavirus lockdown and the council's response. I'll start off by asking you how you are, Richard, because I heard that initially, like at the beginning of all this, you had to go in a period of uh, self-isolation, didn't you? Um, yeah, I did. Um, basically, one of my colleagues, um, a very close family member, came at home from holiday with the symptoms and was in contact w- with myself, so um, we took... Um, the World Health Organization's advice and self-isolated for um, 14 days. Then literally the day after we came out of self-isolation, the government announced lockdown. So in the hour, I've been in lockdown for about six weeks now. Yeah. So how are you managing then? Because obviously with your role as a councillor, that's quite difficult, isn't it, to be, well, initially self-isolating and then in complete lockdown from everybody else? Well, it is. It is difficult. And obviously it's a new world we're all sort of living in really but there's, there's different ways we can do things and we've had to readjust very quickly mm. so for example we're involved early on in helping to set up the volunteer um, um, helpline which the council put together with the voluntary sector and community sector to look at how centralised support so everything's coordinated so people are doing Odd bits, because by being coordinated, that means we can get support to all those people in our district who need it. So for anybody who's listening, if you do need support, or you know somebody who does need support, whether that be food or some other type of health-related support or anything, you can call the council number on 01274 and typically we know we've checked out 98% of the calls are picked up and dealt with and people if you need food via that number you quite often will get it on the same day as well so we've got quite um, a good system. That's been operational now for a couple of weeks I think hasn't it the the council hotline because I know there was a lot of work initially and that seemed to happen well fairly quickly really given the circumstances because the council's organised five response hubs hasn't it to make sure that that is is coordinated as you say because while it's great that there's people wanting to help it's important that we get the help to the people who need it most isn't it yeah exactly and that's and you asked the question about what we could do was councillors being isolated but what we did um, just before lockdown was announced is we all the councillors in the district were charged with identified the key organisations who provide services but also the areas where we know they to be um, populations of vulnerable um, people. And, so, and this was actually prior to government announcing new key workers were exceptional. We didn't wait for government to tell us we were proactive when we got on because we thought that was important. We could see what would come in. We were taking the advice from Public Health England and we thought we needed to be proactive to ensure that when the crisis 
is sort of near the peak point like it is now, um, that people had the support so um, and, and we knew where they were more importantly. Yeah, I think that was really important, wasn't it, to do that as, as soon as possible and from the beginning, really. And I know, like you say, that the councillors were working with making sure that those links were there, really, between the local groups and the council, so Bradford could provide a really coordinated response. And, and you yourself organised a, a mass Zoom meeting online a few weeks ago, again, really, at the beginning, wasn't it, of, of all this, of the lockdown, with the leader of the council and Dr John Wright. And um, just say thank you for that, because I think people really appreciated that, Richard, because it was just good to get together. There were a few hundred people on the call, weren't they? And it yeah. was good to hear very local, very sensible and very calm advice. Yeah, and I think that's what, what um, people need the research because obviously um, in the sort of national media, these I think can be sometimes um, some scaremongering sometimes. Mm. And that's about having that very local perspective. It allowed people to get that reassurance, but to also really know what the council is proactively doing and what the health sector is doing. We're probably going to do another one of them, sort of like an update version of, of that um, very similar so probably within the next um, week or so and if I can I just want to point some of the good stuff um, the council's doing what yeah, please do. might not necessarily pick up so for example we knew that um, this crisis was going to particularly hit the sort of cultural sector in particular we know many people in the arts and cultural sector are often freelancers or have short term contracts etc so we're like thinking how can we best support them so um, our new cultural partnership manager Nick Greening is an absolutely amazing individual um, she came up with this um, response program so basically people who were in the sector could apply for a grant of up to a thousand pounds to look at how we can engage with people, the public, in a sort of uh, interactive and digital way, so almost getting them to come up with um, ideas to get, keep our local communities um, engaged and not isolate throughout the process. So it's stuff like that, you know, what people might not necessarily pick up on and know, and actually that, that's really, really good stuff. It's forward thinking, it's quick, but mm. it keeps people engaged. And, and we're actually up for ideas, so if anybody's got an idea of how we can better respond, then, you know, call for free or contact one of the local hubs because we can pick up those ideas and hopefully develop because obviously I'm hoping we we get into the peak of it and we'll start to you know see a flattening of that curve really but what I will say is we've all got to be really vigilant and absolutely follow the advice about staying at home you know yeah the weather's nice but we've got to listen to the advice because ultimately this is about um, saving people's lives and, you know, nothing's more precious because we're all hearing out with and we all now know probably somebody yeah. who might have passed away or be somebody who's had COVID. So let's stop that. Let's stay at home and let's listen to the advice. Yeah, because we don't want to get complacent, does we, do we, as it carries on for the next couple of weeks, really. Um, do yeah. you have any latest information, Richard, about the situation in Bradford in general? How, I suppose, how the council is coping, how the local hospitals or GPs are coping? 
Yeah, again, because it, it's unprecedented times, it, it'd be remiss of me to try and dress it up. It's massively mm. challenging for all sectors. I've got friends who work at the BRI, and, uh, and she's a constituent of mine who's a doctor. She was just saying it's absolutely unbelievably um, busy. Concerns around the lack of personal protective equipment are very real across not only in Bradford but across the country. But we know the government needs to do more to address that. Um, but actually, we've got, um, if we're talking about our social workers, for example, I've got to pay a massive amount of tribute um, to our frontline social workers who are still engaging with the most vulnerable and marginalised individuals and communities across our district and still, despite this crisis, giving them the support. Then we're looking at also a massive debt of gratitude to our youth workers as well mm. who are out there on the streets engaging with some of, the, again, um, a lot of young people who might not necessarily be adhering to the rules, but also giving them the support that they need, because there's that other very real concern about actually, you know, people are isolated, um, but people still need support. Yeah. And I've got to say, the council workers are often the poor relation when people talk about the public sector, but what this crisis has shown, uh, if anything, is the absolute value of work of local government workers, whether it be social workers, youth workers, the big collection crews, you know, and, and people just going above the pale to ensure people sort of um, get support and most people listening to the advice and a massive amount of respect for our council workers, but also all the other key workers who were still at the front line and, do, you know, doing the best to protect us all. Absolutely. I think it has really shown for the first time in a lot of years, really, it's, it's shown people what local governments do. So that would be one of my hopes for the future, that councils can really sort of embrace it. Because I think, like I say, Bradford just seems to have been at the forefront of making sure that its preparations are in place. When it's been unprecedented, you know, nobody has known what to do, but they've seemed very proactive. Yeah, and it's, yeah, you're completely right, and it's about going forward because we need to think about how we do operate beyond this crisis. Mm -hmm. And there's a very real point here what the public need to be made aware of. Now, what happened at the start of this um, crisis is uh, the advice based upon government was whatever you need to get through this crisis, you basically you spend and allocate that resource, and you can almost claim the money back. Mm -hmm. Now, government are being a little bit more sketchy on that at the moment, so we need to make the public aware that government have got a responsibility to support local authorities with the resources that we need in order, A, to respond to the crisis as it is now, but also to have the resources to come out the other side. It's got to be about central support so we all can, whether you're a social worker or a teacher or a big collection operative, that we're all getting the right support and counsel to give them the resources to come out of this, um, the other side, in, in a way that allows us to effectively support our residents. Yeah, definitely, because there's this immediate crisis that we've got to get through, but then the local councils, they'll have to be there to pick up the pieces afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, uh, but also, it's, I think, has opened up as well, to look on the positive side. It is, has brought communities closer together and looking out for each other more, but also it provides 
an opportunity to really look and analyse and how services should actually be provided going forward. So, like you say, there has been a really good community spirit and communities have come together. And I think people are taking the time to focus on what's important, whether that be having a, a local shop that can provide things that you need that you can walk to, or whether it be, you know, people suddenly understanding that it's not possible to live off the £90 a week that you get for your sick pay. Um, yeah. I think it's it's opened a few people's eyes, which hopefully yeah. will um, be a benefit in the future. Well, there's yeah. certainly lots of things for us to think about, um, including just surviving the next few weeks, really. <laughs> yeah. So what have you got on for the rest of today, then? Fill us in on, on what life is like for a, a local councillor uh, in these days. Uh, well, uh, literally just before the call, this call, um, I was speaking about getting food parcels to um, local families, just arranged some more collections um, as well. So that's um, really positive. Um, I've got to deal with a couple of social care issues for constituents so it, it's it's non-stop but that's the way we like it and, and that's why we're here you know there are people out there with genuinely struggling and need support and help and that is just making a few very simple calls we can provide that reassurance and hopefully um, make, make their day better by you know providing that extra little bit of help and if people do want to get involved and volunteer and help, that number that you gave earlier, the Bradford Council hotline number 01274431000, that's also for people to ring up if they want to help out, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. yeah. Now on to the original episode I'd planned, discussing all things Bradford. Today we're talking to Councillor Richard Dunbar, who is a local Bradford councillor. Welcome, Richard. Hi, how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thank you. Now, I was just looking at your Twitter profile earlier, and I'm just going to read you what it said. It said that you are the councillor for Thornton and Allerton, a Bradford lad, a trade unionist, a socialist, and a Bradford city supporter. (laughs) That's quite a good list. That might sum Richard up. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. That's my life, really, you know, so yeah. I just think it's, um, and that thing about being a Bradford lad, and just saying that I think it's really important it's the it's the city it's the place it's the area that's made me who I am it's given me my inspiration it's given me my lifelong friends it's given me the places I go and socialise and there's just something about the place it's just me I'll always be here I know I will you know it's um, an inspiring place yeah it it drags you back doesn't it it does when I was living in Italy and I started writing the blog you can take the girl out of Bradford everybody said to me you know why are you why are you calling it that why are you making reference to Bradford when primarily it's going to be about Rome anyway you know I'm like I don't there's something about it that it's me being somewhere else but still harking back to Bradford all the time absolutely absolutely Absolutely. And so. finally it's dragged me back. Yes. And we're glad to have you back. <laughs> Thank so. you very much. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to the same school, but you're a lot younger than me. I yeah. think you you were in the same I don't know if you were in the same class as my brother, but you were definitely in his year group. I was, I yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So good old um Buttershaw comp as it was called <laughs> back then. And, and and this is something I always say as well, and it's like despite like in the past the horror stories of that school, because it had a bit of a notorious reputation. But I think back to how I developed over the years whilst I were there, the five years I were there, 
they're still now, I count as some of the best years of my life actually. The, the staff-student relationships really push your um, exposure to opportunities you want to have. Because like, I grew up, my mum were amazing, you know, single parent, but absolutely amazing in the support she gave me. But didn't, oh, we didn't always have a lot of money over the family, but then I found myself through school going on student exchanges to America. My sister went to Nepal. We were part of young enterprise, like so young people who set up their own businesses and we went all over Europe with our business concept and ideas. We were on national TV. And this was because the teachers in that school had a real sense of belief and more importantly actually cared for us and wanted us to do well and that's why I keep in touch with quite a lot of them still to mm. this day you know so yeah I remember yeah. they always been really strong with sport and drama yeah. especially when I was there and music was yeah. always really important which was great you know for a lot of the kids yeah. um, who were there and, yeah. and still are absolutely know. anyone just about the academic the, no, the, exactly. the, the really recognise the difference between the vocational the performance the arts based subjects because it enriched a lot of people's lives really mm. and still does you know yeah, yeah. education is obviously not just about writing tests it's about life it's about everything else that goes with it as well so yeah and there's something about that school this whole thing on social media now about you live your life in a bubble and yeah. i always say well you know i'm from bradford I, that don't possibly can't possibly apply you know absolutely <laughs> yeah you know you, you look at it like you know you look outside and you think how edgy and a bit um different and creative and innovative we are and i think that is partly to do with the experiences a lot of us have experienced growing mm. up so we know what we want from life but equally we know what we don't want as well and it's having the confidence to say that and I think that's the thing about Bradford now it's really finding its confidence and people talk a lot about regeneration and when they think about regeneration they think about buildings they think about place think about landscapes and that is all to do with mm. regeneration but I think in terms of Bradford there's a regeneration in people's thinking and confidence and I think that's quite um, notable I think now you know you see the amount of independent sort of media sources people were speaking Bradford up when people come here are pleasantly surprised so mm. colleagues from work come in and like oh my god the architecture in Bradford's amazing I'm like I know come come <laughs> back and see it see more of it so and, 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 and that's it and it's um, and the stories behind all of that like Little Germany and who knew that little Germany had the highest concentration of listed buildings in the whole of Europe yeah. you know that's amazing it's crazy isn't it, it is, and that we yeah. don't know things like that yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I started or continued the blog about yeah. Bradford try to promote some of the things that were going on like you say the wider sense yeah. of what's going on in the city yeah. but then this podcast as well very much about knowing your place do we really know yeah. why is it called little Germany where yeah. did it come from you know there are these amazing buildings that yeah. have this status as listed yeah. buildings and I think we need to almost know about our history yeah. and take that and some pride in that before we go yeah. forward again and yeah. like you say there are a few of us who are trying to promote Bradford and yeah. all the positive things that are going on yeah. but for me it's also doing it in a what's the word I don't want to do it through rose tinted glasses mm. as well there has to be so you know it has to be realistic doesn't yeah. it but as somebody pointed out to me they said Catherine there's enough people being negative about Bradford so don't yeah. worry about being too positive yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely and I, and I always say a big thing about achieving change or achieving a revolution and a lot of people always laugh when I use that word but I use it quite a lot and in, in a very real sense really because um, when you're talking about revolution you're talking in essence about change from wanting things 
having a sort of a better vision of the world you want to live in and I think that's what a revolution really is and there is a revolution in the thinking of people in Bradford because we know what our stories are we know the struggles we know we're suffering um, because of 10 years of austerity we know these um, a lot of people in poverty and things like that and we know that and locally we're trying to do a lot of positive things about that but actually to say we want a bigger economy to say we want people to have more jobs to say that we want kids from Ola and Ravenscliff Buttershaw or Mud to be able to have those dreams and ambitions to be the next biggest actor the head of the council to be an MP to be the a leading scientist there's nothing wrong with that mm. And it's our job as local leaders, whether it's councillor, whether it's somebody writing a podcast, whether it's, you know, a doctor, whatever it is, it's our job to be able to remove those barriers for people and say, do you know what, you do matter, you do have a voice, and do you know what, you can make a difference. Mm. And if you don't like the way things are, let's work together, get organised and make a difference, really, because we can do that. And that's that's what Bradford's full of. It's radical and people don't follow the rules all the time in the status quo and I think that's what sets us apart. Yeah, yeah. that keeps coming up actually yeah. in my conversations about yeah. this, right? Well, yeah. we might not follow the rules, you might bend them a little bit, yeah, you know, yeah. to suit us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think, I think that's a good thing. And I yeah. think, you know, and you're going to get a lot of that activism and protest mm. element. Um, Which Bradford you know. is rightly famous for. Absolutely. And we need to get some of that and back. And we love it, and we love it. <laughs> and that's the edginess, uh, we're, the non-conformist edginess we've got in this city. Absolutely. So, yeah. Our historical roots. Absolutely. <laughs> Spreading yeah. out into all, right. yeah, into all right. areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how long have you been a councillor for Richard? I got elected in 2014. Okay, so, about, yeah. so yeah, nearly six, six years, years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, and what got you interested in politics? Because you're from Buttershaw like me and it's not exactly a hotbed of politics it should be but it's yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. it's quite unusual for youngish people to be yeah to be interested and involved or certainly it was a few years ago I think that's changing well I, I think to be honest with you it's like I had um, a family who a, a Labour supporting family but weren't necessarily political mm. the, you know they weren't really flag um waving sort of Labour supporters if you like um it was just a real sense of, I, I was very conscious from an early age of being treated differently because of the way, where, we're, where we're from. So like if we're on the school table, tennis team, and people like, ah, but the you know, it, it, were, it were all of that stuff. And I started to question from an early age, what's this about? Do you mm. know what I mean? And then I started to think, well, my mum, single parent with three other siblings, really supported us really strict with us in terms of you get educated because she was always saying and I understand why she was pushing us in education now obviously didn't really get it telling like, oh but you know you know school <laughs> yeah. you know but I realised why she did it now and it was to start to achieve real change because she knew some of the trouble she had growing up you know from a very poor background herself and um, I know she won't mind me saying this she knows this is part of my story but growing up um, we were um, a family where my dad was um, basically a, a thing of domestic violence. I mean, mum went through that over a lot of years and uh, she still was very strong with it all, do you mm. know what I mean? And I remember once after sort of one incident, there was just me there and, and you know, it, it wasn't a nice experience. But what she did say after he'd left was that, um, do you know what, no matter 
what's just happened right now. There are people in this world worse off than us right now. I thought, and I'm, I'm like, now I still think about it. I've told that story a lot of times to different people and it still gets me. It's, you've just had this awful, horrific experience mm. and you've come out with something like that. And that for me was, if you had to pick a moment, that for me made me start to think about the world differently and it beyond my own self and my yeah. own experiences. So I think that's helped me think, I'm, the question about why did you get into politics, that was sort of the trigger, if you like, you know, about seven or eight at that point. And um, I started to question a lot more why things were the way they were and like why they were, was inequality, why, because I was from Buttershaw, did I and us get treated differently and spoke of differently? Why was there less money going into my school compared to a school uh, uh, in a posher area, mm. for example? Start to question all this stuff and I'm like, well, started to, you know, question, go into things. I became a member of the Labour Party after I came back from university. Um, but somebody approached me and said, oh, would you consider standing for council? And like, I'm like, oh, what's it involved? And all this sort of stuff. Then I just started to use what I'd experienced and got elected because I say this with pride, actually, and I'm not ashamed to say it. It's like the area where I stood in Portland all at the time was a massively uh, Tory stronghold, right. you know, and I won and everybody was saying, oh, we're down the streets, you're going to win, you're going to win. And then I was like, in my head, I knew a lot. But I want to speak to everybody. I don't just want to speak to a small section of people. I want to organise projects in communities. I don't just want to ask them which way they're voting. Mm. And it worked because the Tories in the area where I represent were getting majorities every election between 600 and 1,000. And we overturned a majority of about 700. And I won my first time by 52 votes. Right. And the last time I got elected two years ago nearly um, was by over 1,000 votes. And that's not just because of me, my ad, but that's because of the approach we've taken in terms of community activism, getting people involved, listening to the concerns, acting on mm. them. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, all, it's all of that stuff. So that's why I got involved, really. It's like, so I want, so this is going to sound real cheesy, but I just want to see things go better for mm. more people. And that's it, you know. So, so it doesn't matter if I'm like knackered first at the time. <laughs> um, but it's about, you know, trying to see the best in people and trying to, even when people are having a bit of an hard time, you know, what can we do to support them mm. to get them on? And that's what it's got to be about, really. I've been lucky and I'm in a privileged position. I'm constantly aware of that. But other people are. And mm. that's why, that's what I think good counsel is. I think so a lot of me and my colleagues are in it for the right reasons, mm. you know, to try and help people. And that's what it's going to be about. I know. I think it's really important to get counsellors from, you know, as diverse a background as possible and from those communities that they're going to represent. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know that they can do it as yeah. well, you know, that it could be for them, like yeah. you said, bring their ideas to the table Absolutely. and what's important to them. If anybody's, like, thinking about it, I'm like... I am by no means a typical politician. I don't see myself as a one at all. So, well, I do see myself, I am a politician, <laughs> but I don't see myself as a typical one. And, and that's because if something's not right, I will say, and I won't just go along with the status quo, mm. just because somebody in an higher position me tells me I've got to, if something's wrong, I'll challenge it, it's simple. Yeah. And, if you, and if there are people out there listening to this and thinking, I won't mind that, um, speak to, 
your local political party if you're interested obviously i would encourage you a bit to be labor um <laughs> so but get involved get active even if you don't want to join a political party straight away join your, your local community group if you're part of you know a club at school whatever it is get involved get active if you've got ideas mm. and set them in motion there's probably a lot of people out there thinking the same as you can't do it but you know what get a few of you together then who knows what can happen. Yeah, because that's all politics is, because I've always been interested in politics, Mm. like yourself, from a really young age. But it's become like a dirty word. Mm. You know, it's almost like one of those things that you can't talk about in polite society, but all it is, is organising yourselves, trying to make change, trying to make Mm. things better. Yeah. And that's all it really means. And now we might fundamentally disagree with Mm. (laughs) the people on the other side, but there are choices and people have got to be made more aware of that I think there are people who you know think that things can get better but there's still that substantial minority who don't Mm -hmm. and it's those people we need to be talking to and and get to those when I was doing some campaigning during the general election there was quite a sense of I don't believe that things can get better things are the way they've been the way they always have been I mean you were talking about 10 years of austerity but it's like people have almost forgotten that it's Mm. just like this is the way Mm. of the world now and you know we've just got to accept it which I'd be very much like no we don't actually so what can we do to change it we need to get this message that positive change can happen and I don't know what your thoughts are about trying to engage people more locally and decision making and give feeling that they do have more of a voice and a say and I think that's going to be really important locally where the Labour Party in particular is still in power in lots of places like it is in Bradford mm-hmm. what can we do to engage people? I, I think I think that's um, it's quite simple really for me the first thing you've got to do is start to actually speak to people and listen to them so doing what you're doing now having loads of one-to-ones with people whether you're a local councillor or other type of decision maker Go out there and actually speak and listen to the people. When you've listened to what they've said to you in terms of their key issues, concerns, their ideas as well, Mm. that's important because we have a tendency to talk about people's concerns, but what are their ideas? Because it's those people who are experiencing those issues who are often the people who come up with the solutions. So let's go out and speak to more people, hear what they've got to say. Um, on an individual basis, because I think that's important to begin with. Then after what you do, you think about how you can then get people together. So for example, if you are speaking to loads of people in a particular area of Bradford and um, asking them about the key issues and concerns, they are, you might start to notice themes. So what do you do at that point, right? You, you get those people together collectively, right? And say, well, like, look, you've told us X, Y, and Z, what can we do together? And they'll, they'll start to come up with ideas. You might commit them to an action. You might say, OK, let's go. Let's get your local councillor down. Let's get a public meeting sorted. Let's storm City Hall. Whatever it is we need to do um, to make those people feel empowered, mm-hmm. let's do it. Because it's giving them, A, listening to them, B, then putting them in a place where they realise they can make a difference with decision makers. Then, more importantly... Um, making them realise they do have a voice mm-hmm. and there are leaders in those communities who feel disenfranchised and giving people the confidence to stand on the platform and say, do you know what, I have got ideas and they do matter and I will be listened to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important first step. So it's, it, there's loads more you can do around that, but that's the crux of it for me is listening to people because that doesn't happen mm. enough actually and being so, in those communities isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's actually yeah. it's not that difficult actually <laughs> yeah. so you know so know. yeah 
That's, yeah, like, so, but that's the thing, isn't it? People are sort of a bit far removed. It's yeah. the whole... It always made me laugh, the, the whole Brexit thing, that mm. I was living abroad at the time, but I still could see that happening. Right. I'm like, how can I see it happening when I'm 2,000 miles away yeah. and people who are in it? You only have to listen to people in Bradford to yeah. know what that vote was going to be. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. if you didn't know that, if you're not listening, if you're not a part of it, yeah. then, like you say, you're not going to get very far, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of the council, obviously they've had 10 years of cuts and austerity and, and that, you know, the significant amounts of money. It's not, I don't think people realise what that means. Up to 50% cuts in, yeah. in lots of local authorities yeah. is a massive amount. It's mm. not little amounts that, mm. you know, are not going to affect services. Mm. But is there anything that the council can do to use the powers that they have to be more radical and reinvigorate local government a bit? Yeah. So I think the first thing to say is, is being clear about what local councils do. So mm. not everybody always knows that. So like you said, our budget's been cut in half. What does that mean? Well, 2010, we had a budget to deliver services in Bradford, 600 million. This year, it's going down to less than 300 million. In 2012, we, we had about 180 odd million in the government grant so to help us deliver services. This year, that is zero. So, yeah. so that's treasure <laughs> scale. And what, what do local councils do very quickly? So what services did do we deliver? We run a lot of local schools. We help run the road, so if there's a pothole there, there would be the ones like filling that in. Um, we take your bins away. We deliver adult and children's social care. So if your grandma is taken into home or needs additional help, for example, we'll be helping to deliver those services. We run events in city parks. So it's a wide range of things councils mm. do. So if our resource is taken away, it's obviously going to put pressure on us. But in terms of answering your question, in terms of what can we do to be a little bit more radical, well, we as the controlling group, we've set our own manifesto, if you like, because we started to say, what is it what people in Bradford want? And I think we can be more radical than we currently are, if I'm honest, and nobody will be surprised in political circles to hear me say that. But what do we need to be able to do? And I do think we need to be looking at more places like Preston mm. to look at how their community wealth building. So that's basically making sure the money we spend is rather than commissioning somebody from down south or from a different country, let's look at working with the different services in Bradford to make sure that when the council commissions a contract for 10 grand, 20 grand, 100 grand, whatever it may be, it's somebody really local. Mm. What, um, some people might say, well, isn't it about the best person for the job? I'm like, yeah, it is, but let's train up our yeah. people to be the best people. They're then more likely to stay in Bradford. They're then more likely to spend the money in Bradford. That means it creates more jobs in Bradford. That means we have a better quality of life overall. Yeah, it becomes so, circular, doesn't it? It's that idea absolutely. of keeping the money and the wealth yeah. in the local economy rather yeah. than it dissipating into the ether yeah. that we none of us ever see, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there is a bigger push to be able to do that now. Um, I don't think we're going as quick as we can be on that, but I think we're a little bit more forward thinking than we were a couple of years ago. And I think um, it's incumbent not only upon us as elected members, but the general public out there, people might be listening to this now, if you've got an idea about mm. how a service should be run, get in touch with your local councillor, put pressure on them and say to them, you need to listen to me because this is the impact this will have. 
we need to hear that. It's like we don't have all the answers. Yeah. I, I, I almost see as um, if you're a good counsellor, if you're going to be a good counsellor or a good elected representative, you've got to be a good organiser as well. And I think that's absolutely pivotal. It's mm. not about, oh, we're sat on this pedestal over here. This is about what are the issues and how do we organise for change? That's it. I want to create a generation of organisers because if you do that, you're more likely to get more long-term change, actually. Mm. Especially within some of those communities that need it. If we could get a group of people from those different areas who are not necessarily represented in in the city as often as they should be, then that would be amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think Bradford for Everyone's trying to do that. Yeah. You know, I think that's started to do looking at our shared values mm. and, you know, saying Bradford is for everyone because that's, that's our, we all know that's one of our key strengths. And looking out on the city park now and when there's big events on and it almost becomes a microcosm of our city's diversity and people are naturally getting on side by side in a very relaxed, informal way. Mm. And what does that create? It, it, it sort of creates a sense of togetherness, it creates acceptance, it creates understanding. And that's what we've been good at in this city for ever since I can remember, you know. Mm. So, so. I mean, that has been, a, the city park has been a massive success story, hasn't it, over the last yeah. few years? And again, Typical Bradford, we had the naysayers, didn't we? The, oh, the yeah. Mirapool will be full of shopping trolleys and da da da. And it's, it's been amazing, hasn't it? So yeah. it's, in summer, it's always full. And yeah. you could see when they had the problems last summer when it wasn't working, what an impact that had, Absolutely. really. Because people are just so used to it being there yeah, now, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's a real focal yeah. point for and, the city. And it's great, isn't it? People love it. So, yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. And when we're talking about us going for capital culture, because I know mm. we're going to win that, is you look at the strength of our. Our city. And I think what people are going to be is when they see our bid, when it gets submitted, a lot of people are going to be surprised in the outside world. And I am I am confident because this has got to be a key bit about this bid when it goes in. We've got to be absolutely confident in where we're going to get at. And I do believe we are, we are the favourites and I do not think that's a bad thing because that shows a different level from you know, years ago, would we have seen ourselves as a front runner in this five years ago? I don't think we would have done. Mm. Would more people have been shouting about us in the way they are now? I don't think they will have done. Because they're starting to see this sleeping giant has woken up. It's like we're not inward looking anymore. Mm. And because of everything we do with people from all over the world, it's made us a little bit more outward looking. And because of that, we've become more creative. We've become more innovative. And what I'd like to see in this the capital culture bid is a real focus on the health and well-being mm. of the people. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that. One of my friends works for um, a project that's related to Born in Bradford mm. called Jump in mm. terms of getting kids active. And so it's that culture in its widest sense, isn't yeah. it? Whether it be from sport to food mm. to music to yeah. art. You know, I hate the word culture because it's what it's, it makes people cringe. Yeah. You can feel people's backs go up, yeah. can't you, sometimes? Because... They think it means opera and ballet. Yeah. And of course it does, but it also encompasses everything yeah. that we do and see yeah. and watch and enjoy. Yeah. Whether that be my Uncle Patrick and Scarlet Heights playing in City Park or what you do in your local community centre when they get all the old ladies round for their Sunday dinner in, in uh, the Butshaw Hubs. It's everything it's, within that intent. It, that, and that's it. And it's being able to say that so from anybody from all corners of this district to, to be able to say this is what culture means to me. Mm. And no one answer has to be the same. And do you know what? That's okay. Because mm. that's the strength of what we've got is, is the widespread difference in ideas and 
And I think of culture as your values, your beliefs, what you stand on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's like, if I believe that me going to the Alhambra and enjoying a show there is culture, that's fine. Mm. If I believe I'm one of the many amazing young people, young lads primarily who stand outside Bradford College doing spoken words and don't realise how talented they are when you're just walking past, it's like, that's culture. Yeah. When you see in Bradford Pride last year when 8,000 people turned up and there were loads of trans young people turning up because they felt comfortable in this space, that's culture, mm. you know, so it's all of that. And that's why I don't ever want to leave this place because I just feel like we're on the cusp of something. Yeah, it does feel like there's certain things that are falling into place. Yeah. There's various big projects coming mm. up, but there's also a lot of grassroots yeah. Yeah. things bubbling away. Absolutely. Like I say, going forward in Bradford, I think we've got the Capital Culture Beer, we've got really proactive sports clubs who are, in essence, embedded within communities. We've got the Bradford Live venue coming on board next year. We've got Dallas Street Market, we've got Blooming Buds Theatre Company in Ravenscliff. We've got amazing youth services in Buttershaw. We've got the Bronte Birthplace in Thornton. You know, there's, there's so much going on in this district right now. I think people are starting to notice Bradford for the right reasons. Well, thank you very much, Richard, for taking the time to talk to Know Your Place Bradford. Pleasure, as always, to see you. Thanks Thanks again to Councillor Richard Dunbar for talking to Know Your Place Bradford. Along with Richard, I'd like to offer my own thanks to the local government workers, key workers and NHS staff who are doing so much to keep us going at this difficult time, many of whom have been underappreciated over the last few years. Let's make sure that when we clap them on Thursday, we also demand from the national government that they have the protective equipment and support they need to do their jobs safely and that in future their importance is not forgotten and their services properly funded. That would be a real acknowledgement of their service and the debt that we owe them. If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance or you would like to volunteer yourself to help with Bradford's response to the coronavirus crisis, the Council's hotline number once again is 01274 431000. I'll put the details on the website too. Stay safe, stay well, stay at home and keep listening to future episodes of Know Your Place Bradford.